Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Keely Barber, media editor at Digiday. And I am Kamiko McCoy, marketing reporter here at Digiday. All right. So, Kamiko, your guest is Xerox CMO, Dina Pikion. So they do a lot of things, right? Like I associate Xerox with like, I got to go like Xerox a copy or like go run mm-hmm. down to the store and make a... Make a Xerox. Uh, yeah. Like that is like almost like a like a verb, right? Like I got a Xerox. I got to Google know? this. I got to Venmo you. Xerox is kind of in that same family. Right. But especially now with like remote working and like being just generally more digital, like what are they doing? Like what's the, how is this like a hundred plus year old brand maintaining not only like a business, well, I don't know what their business development is, but like just like <laughs> maintaining that like mental kind of image of what Xerox is and like approaching yeah. audiences like that, right? Because it is like a, it's such a interesting, I guess, transition for a brand like them. Yeah. So I did talk to, to Dina and we had a very interesting conversation about kind of what it means to be a century old brand, a century plus old brand advertising to the new work environment. Not only do you have a new generation of employees when you're talking about, um, you know, millennials hitting different milestones in their career, and now you've got Gen Z in the workforce as well. Um, and I don't know if you were to ask a Gen Zer to Xerox something for you, if they if they would completely understand <laughs> what you're asking. Um, so they're having to kind of reintroduce themselves um, by making. Gen Z um, aware of everything it is that they do, um, work management systems, and then they've also got, you know, printers, copiers, office machine equipment, things like that. Um, and also they've got some, 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 um, some like, you know, behind the scenes stuff. So there's a slew of things that they do and they're having to kind of re-up um, their, their brand awareness um, while also managing that with like targeting and things like that. Um, but in addition to reaching Gen Z, we've also entered this new, you know, thanks to the pandemic, hybrid work environment. So not only are you having to reach a new generation of people, you're having to introduce yourself to a new way of working. Um, so there's a lot of work that they've got going on on their hands. Um, but one of the things that I think was most important that Dina mentioned is that her personal priority this year is introducing AI into everything that they do to kind of supercharge um, their work. And Kaylee, even in your own, even in your own reporting, we've seen AI. There's there's nothing that's out of AI's purview. So it was really interesting to kind of get the breakdown of how they're they're thinking about what that can do to help them with their their brand awareness efforts, their targeting efforts, and things like this. And it's interesting too because I don't know, like you and I are still like fully remote. Like we only. I mean, I personally ever go in person to like our events or the occasional meeting in the city. But it's interesting thinking about like a modern office environment. And it's because like I have a hard time conceptualizing it because I haven't been in a modern office environment post pandemic, especially with the addition of like AI and other like technologies and stuff like that. I don't know. I I don't know if I have it in me personally. I, I like being from home so often, except for the occasional, you know recording a podcast outside of my bedroom, but it adds a little extra character, I guess, staying in here. (laughs) Yeah, I am incredibly grateful for us not having to go into the office regularly. I live in Atlanta, and if I have to see any of those highways multiple times a day, I don't mentally, I'd crack up. Yeah. I screamed in traffic once. It was so bad. I screamed. The car next to me looked frightened, and for good reason, but I just simply, no, thank you. My first job out of college, I had an hour and a half commute driving on uh, the Merritt Parkway in Connecticut for 
from Hartford to Norwalk, basically, an hour and a half one way, three times a week, basically. And I listened to a lot of audiobooks that saved me, but I also cried a lot in my car. So I believe me, pe- <laughs> the people who are driving next to me have seen it all screaming, crying. <laughs> it's an emotional time. So I guess, you know, remote work works for us, but I also understand a lot of people need to be in a collaborative environment. So it, it's such an interesting concept of like returning to this like in-person office space and like a modern, I don't know, probably haven't seen enough to like know for sure my opinion on it, but uh, I'm interested to hear what Dina has to say about how they're approaching in like office technology company that's a hundred plus years old and this like really just like different working environment. I'm interested to see what she has to say. Perfect. Well then let's get to it. I should have said that. Yeah. (laughs) Get on into it. (laughs) Go for it. Hi, Dina, and welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I am so excited to have you. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Kamiko. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I know. It's so excited to talk to a legacy brand like Xerox. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about you guys' transformation over the years. But as always with my guests, I like to start with a fun question. Is that cool with you? Of course. All right. 2024 is up on us and everyone I'm sure has some sort of new year's resolution, but I'm interested in hearing what your resolution as a marketer is for this year. For this year, um, my personal resolution in with regard to marketing is to incorporate more AI and personalization into what we do. Absolutely. And we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. I think What's most interesting here is that you guys are a century old brand, you know, working to to maintain freshness. And if I'm not mistaken, we just did a brand revamp with a big ad campaign. So let's get into that as, as our first topic. Xerox is at least 100 years old, if not more at this point. So how do you maintain brand freshness um, after that amount of time? Do you ride the wave of being a legacy brand or do you revamp um, to to reinvent itself and appeal to fresh audiences? So it's such a great question because, you know, taking over the, the a brand like this, a legacy brand with so much heritage and so much rich history is challenging at times, right? Because do you lean into all that history and what you were known for and what you made, you know, your name um, be relevant and synonymous with and how do you balance that with the changing needs of today, right? Xerox, I mean, people use the word as a verb literally to mean copy, right? I mean, that's how much we were associated with one of our most innovative products that really changed the workplace. But the workplace is changing, right? The workplace has changed. We've shifted to hybrid workplaces, to distributed workforces, And we know that digital transformation has to enable all of those shifts. So we're evolving with those same trends in the industry and the same macro trends that are happening all around us. So while I lean into the innovation of our heritage and the values, you know, the core values that are still true to our brand, we are reinventing ourselves for the market around us. And that's really where our new campaign, We Make Work Work, has focused is on displaying all of the new services and offerings that we have for the modern workplace. That's something that we actually talked about last year um, in 2023 about the campaign that you guys had. So given it's been a while, talk to me a little bit about what did we learn from there um, and, and that type of thing. Sure. So it was 
such a whirlwind. We launched and I spoke to you at the same time about midway through 2023. And it was so exciting to see not only how clients and partners responded to the campaign, but how employees responded to the campaign. Um, it gave a real um, down-to-earth, tangible sense of this reinvention that we're going through. And what was even more exciting was we tried many new tactics and we got to monitor you know, the performance of those tactics and optimize over time so that we were doubling down on those that were performing well. But, you know, just to give you a snapshot, we had over 150 million, you know, paid impressions or eyeballs from that campaign with only a half a year in market. Um, we had over 8 million paid video views. We had tons of organic video engagement, tons of employee, client and partner engagement on our content leads that we funneled and telequalified before we funneled to sales. Um, so, you know, the campaign overall has done really well. And now we're, you know, optimizing the best way to use it in 2024. Walk me through kind of what the media mix looks like um, with these changes. You mentioned AI becoming a bigger part of things. So talk about that. Yes. Yeah, so as we introduced the campaign, we focused a lot on brand awareness, um, and we integrated that with demand generation tactics as well, right? So we did a lot of digital brand awareness, but also digital demand generation. In 2024, we're really doubling down on the demand generation and especially some cross-sell opportunities that we have. We have a huge base of clients that we already serve, that already trust us with all of their print needs. We're behind the firewalls in these companies. We're managing their secure data and information. And so now what we need to do is make sure that they're aware of the new products and offerings that we have. And so using AI in a way that helps us segment and target the right clients in the right vertical industries where we have, you know, integrated applications or software with industry standard apps. That's where we want to use AI. Um, it's going to really help us there. And then, of course, on content creation and personalization is another big area for us to use AI. In the conversations that we've had around AI, it's been a whirlwind. Um, even up until last year, there's been a lot of uncertainty around it, especially when it comes to data. What tools do you use to make it learn and things like that? So kind of curious, what have been the internal conversations around AI for you guys? Yeah, of course, we, I mean, you have, everything has to be measured and governed, right? Especially when you deal with data. Um, in marketing, we deal with a lot of sensitive data. And so that that's a big concern, of course. But we do have an AI council, a governance council within Xerox, an overarching council with, uh, with regard to AI in general. And then we also have a marketing AI council that's a little bit more around um, experimenting with different you know, techniques and tactics. We also have a team internally at Xerox that manages data and AI internally for us. So anything that we do in terms of automation or data enrichment with AI, there's a team internally and they also commercialize offerings that we sell externally. So we get to leverage them as well. 
Yeah, I know that there's been a lot of conversations around, oh, if AI gets too big, we're going to have like replay the movie iRobot in, in real life. But it seems at this stage, there's still a lot of human oversight um, when it comes to how we use AI. Absolutely. And like, for example, I mentioned content earlier, you have to have a lot of human oversight over any type of AI content creation or, or ideation, I would say. It's, you're not really using AI to create content. You're using it to ideate or translate, right? Different versions um, that speak or resonate to different types of clients, personas or industries, etc. cetera. Um, but you need the human oversight to make sure that what you're doing is authentic, um, that it's within brand guidelines, that it's really the tone of the brand and the campaign that we have in place already. A while ago, we did like a definitive list of AI terms. And one of them that came up was the idea of hallucination, where the AI bot would literally just kind of pull something out of thin air and feed it to you. Hence the need for human oversight. Absolutely. Everything. I mean, everything with good measure and control, right? We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Shifting gears very quickly, obviously, like we mentioned, started this conversation, Xerox is, is a legacy brand, um, but I would imagine that the way we work being upended also upended how you guys go to market. So talk a little bit about kind of the changes that have happened in you guys' um, go-to-market strategy, given the pandemic changed how we go to work. Absolutely. I mean, that was a major shift in in the workplace and in work in general, but Xerox has always been about innovating in the workplace and making the workplace more productive. So what we had to do was shift and say, okay, how do we make people more productive in this new environment, right? Business people who are just trying to get their work done every day. How do we help them do that? And what we saw was the pandemic changed work behaviors and patterns but businesses weren't necessarily investing in enough technology to reduce the stress levels that that had on their workers, right? Because we're all always on regardless of where we are now and you're expected to produce and deliver regardless of where you're working, but you don't necessarily have tools that are helping you do that in new ways. And so that's where we've really doubled down on you know, specific apps, like I said, in healthcare, records management, Right, that help people focus on patient care rather than all the you know record retention, legal, you know automatic redaction of sensitive data and documents, so people could be reading in Starbucks or on a train and not have to worry about you know showing any sensitive data anywhere. In education, giving teachers tools to communicate with the parents of their of their students who might not be able to speak English. Um, so, you know, we have a suite of offerings that you can pair with our hardware or not. You can decide to just use the software or you can pair it with the hardware and use it to be able to translate and communicate more effectively. So, you know, that's where we found our niches in these places is still making people more productive every day. That, you know, our, our promise in the market hasn't changed. It's just how we deliver it has to change because the marketplace has changed. Yeah. And I would imagine with those, those, that reminder of these products, um, that comes a push further into brand awareness for you guys. Um, talk about some of the brand awareness channels that you guys have found success in. What's, you know, kind of important for you guys. So what we did with this campaign was we really tried a lot punchier copy. 
to change the tone of what people associate with Xerox and to really intrigue people to learn more. And we tried different tactics and we started seeing which ones were working. We did connected TV ads, we did out of home digital displays, we did, you know, nurture campaigns, we did paid social um, on various channels, right? And we've been looking at the performance in all of those areas. And what we see is the more we speak to people, personas individually, specific to their industries and specific solutions that are helping them, those are the ones that get the most engagement. But the overlying tone for the entire campaign is really about doing all the work that you don't want to have to do during the day. And and using, you know, it's like using a workplace assistant to make you more productive. Yeah, I think in the industry, um, you know, especially with ATT tracking and things like that, and Google's cookie crumbling um, this year, um, you're seeing this pendulum swing of back up to brand awareness um, being an important thing. So talk about what that looks like for you guys as far as the idea of direct response and um, versus brand awareness. Yeah, you always have to balance, right? There's always a very um, delicate balancing act between performance marketing that you can measure really closely versus the brand awareness. And and what we tried to do in 2023 and what we're still doing in, in 2024 to some extent is making sure that we have that balance right. I'd say in 2023, it was more of a 50-50 split between brand awareness and demand gen and performance marketing. I'd say in 2024, we've shifted a little bit, a little bit less on the brand awareness because we've reintroduced the brand and a little bit higher on some of the demand gen and performance marketing tactics. Um, But even for us, you have to measure the brand awareness uplift through brand studies, through, you know, small focus groups, through how you're doing with um, employee recruitment, you know, new customer acquisition, all of these different things where brand awareness does make a difference, just might be a little bit less tangible than, than in performance marketing. And that's so scary sometimes to think about. It is so scary, especially, you know, for all of us that have budgets to manage and we have to report back on, you know, the performance of, of how we've spent our marketing dollars, especially in conversations with CFOs. But but it is really important and you can't underestimate, um, you know, the the investment and the impact that brand awareness has on a company. Yeah. I want to talk about what all of this looks like in terms of getting in front of Gen Z. Um, Each generation is very different. um, But even just scrolling through TikTok, the way that you see Gen Z approach work is very different from your millennials, your Gen X's, boomers and whatnot. So talk to me kind of about the strategy of of how you guys go to get in front of, of Gen Z. Yep. So what we've done with Gen Z is obviously had to try new tactics Um, We did a lot of paid social there and even trying paid social in channels that we hadn't tried before, like TikTok, for example, because we know that's, you know, a platform that's very popular. We also thought about our own organic TikTok channel and and that's been more challenging from a um, governance perspective, right? But you have to think differently about how you reach these audiences. And that's also why we went with streaming TV ads versus, you know, um, regular television broadcasting ads. So, you know, that you have to think about where your audience is and meet them where they are and change the tone. 
One thing that I think um, is interesting here is like, although TikTok, you know, there's, there's, there's back and forth on it, but it's competitors like YouTube shorts and Instagram reels um, have also um, kind of have reared their heads um, in that. So curious for the short form video content, has that kind of cropped up in those spaces for you guys? Yeah, we haven't used it as much in those spaces. We do use a lot of short form video in terms of um, just making really cute kind of explanatory videos of, of new product offerings or service offerings that we have. But we usually use those for distribution through our own channels where we've really tried the, the short form video is predominantly LinkedIn and, and TikTok. I wouldn't want to be remiss and not talk about the economic headwinds that plagued us. And I don't even know if I can say the economic headwinds that plagued us in 2023, because they've been plaguing us since 2020, to be honest with you. So as a a legacy brand with a lot of learnings, um, how did you guys navigate that time? And kind of how does that feed into thought patterns for this year? Absolutely. So first of all, you have to be really wise with your money, right? Um, You know, our theme in marketing, I always usually like to have a theme for our team to rally around our theme in marketing for 2023 was focus. You've really got to focus, right? Uh, You know, the macroeconomic headwinds that we see affect all businesses, including our own. And so you had to be really wise about where you put your dollars and how you measure your dollars and your time, because time is money, too. Right. And and our team has has to prioritize where they put their their time just as much as they do their dollars. So I think that's really important is treat every dollar as if it's your own focus on fewer priorities, bigger impact than rather than trying to spread too thin. Um, and that's something we did in 2024 by optimizing the campaign, right? Learnings from 2023 went into 2024. I think you also have to obviously adjust to the market, right? You have to adapt to market realities. You know, we're all hit with rising interest rates or, you know, different workplace trends. And you have to evolve with the market and embrace those trends um, to be able to weather the storm, Right. A lot of companies have actually moved back into the office full time. Um, knock on wood, mine doesn't. But curious <laughs> if that if that, you know, has changed you guys' marketing strategy as well as all, um, because there's been kind of a um I guess a pendulum swing there as well. The pandemic hits, everybody goes high to, you know, work from home, then you have this hybrid. Then you have people saying, well, let's go back into the office. So I would imagine that's topsy-turvy for you, how you guys talk to your, your customers. So talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. We think hybrid's here to stay. We don't think we'll ever go back to fully working from home or fully working in the office. We think hybrid's here to stay. We're seeing real estate adjustments in the market, obviously. We're seeing technology adjustments in the market. But like I said, I think what the big learning is, is that how do you make the time that you have most efficient as as you become a hybrid workplace, right? How do you enable collaboration when people are together, enable them to focus on the, the, the value of what they were hired to do in their positions in, in person together, rather than having to think about the administrative work? And so I think that's where we are really focusing on how to make people more productive, how to make them evolve in this new hybrid workplace, how to make them successful. It 
it's not only about being more productive and evolving, but how do you thrive and become successful? And not only large enterprises, right? A lot of people think, oh, you know, this particular service or offering is out of my reach because I'm not a big enough company. We have tailored solutions for small and medium businesses. And I think that that's where people forget that we've moved with the market as well. We're not only focused on the big Fortune 500, we have solutions to help small and medium businesses be just as productive. This is fair. This is fair. Actually, I I wonder how much we're seeing there be an emphasis on small businesses, especially with the creator economy, entrepreneurship and things like that um, being kind of center focus uh, for society right now. Absolutely. And when you think about that, I mean, my husband's a small business owner. I know, you know, things that keep him up at night and, and things that would help him, you know, finish working earlier. He never finishes working, really. But, uh, you know, <laughs> at least put his phone away a little bit earlier. Um, and that's what we do. We try to focus on, you know, how do we help creators? How do we help principals and owners be able to sleep better at night, be able to have a little bit of time to spend with their family that they thought they weren't going to get. You know, one of my favorite spots from the campaign ends with, you know, a dad closing his laptop and reading a bedtime story to his child on the sofa, right? How many, so many of us can relate to that moment where you thought it might not happen. You thought you might not be able to actually finish and close the laptop and spend a little bit of quality time. I want to wind down and lean into the the plans for 2024. Obviously, there were, like you said, a lot of learnings from 2023. But I'm curious about, in your opinion, what were the biggest challenges from 2023? And what's the plan to tackle them in 2024? So it was really interesting to learn about what kinds of content people engaged with, and, and then and then really shift and pivot for 2024, right? Make sure we don't make the same mistakes of you know, repeating content that wasn't necessarily engaging for people. That That's number one. Number two is, like I said, people actually engage the most with really industry-specific um, examples and content, right? And so that's where we're really focusing with our go-to-market teams or what are the few vertical industries that we really think we can make a difference in, that we have a compelling story, that we have a really competitive service offering. And let's focus on, you know, three of those with our three flagship services. Um, So that's, I think, probably the biggest learning that, that we found was the more specific you can be to the person you're trying to speak to, the more relevant and the more engaging your campaign will be for them. Right message, right person, right time. Correct. Okay, and last question for you. After the economic headwinds that we saw for the last couple of years, are you hopeful for marketing budgets, marketing spend, and and whatnot into 2024? Are we hopeful we'll have bigger budgets, more places to spend, and that type of thing? So I think the majority of companies you will see will not necessarily be having bigger budgets, but they will be having a lot deeper understanding of where to spend their money, right, Um, in order to make the most impact. So I think marketing as an enabler is probably in the most prominent seat it's ever been in in businesses and in B2B businesses. And, And in my company, for example, we have a seat at the table. We're very much aligned to the strategy and we're seen as, you know, a business 
enabler to the growth strategy. But macroeconomic conditions don't allow for higher budgets necessarily. You just have to be really smart and really effective with how you spend your dollars. And that's what we're doing. Are there any media channels that Xerox has found within the last couple of months, if not last year, that are important and will now be always on or permanent fixtures within the media mix? I wouldn't say anything will be a permanent fixture because we're continuously monitoring um, performance and optimizing our tactics as a result of that. I think there will be a little bit less out of home uh, this year, a little bit more focus on um, the connected TV ads we did were great. And LinkedIn for us is a really great performing channel in terms of the types of audiences we're trying to reach and the engagement that we get. So I would say that's one that continues to be part of our mix. But I would never say that anything is always on. I want our campaign to always be on. But the where and how we, you know, distribute that campaign will really depend on the performance metrics of our tactics. Listen, Dina, it was such a pleasure spending some time with you today. Really appreciate you stopping by the Digiday podcast. Thank you, Kamiko. I appreciate it. It was so much fun. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Digiday podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. And please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it.